Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com. From the St. Louis Public Radio Newsroom, this is The Gateway. It's Monday, December 20th. I'm Jonathan All in for Wayne Pratt. Coming up, when cattle go to slaughter, America's factory-scale processors make a buck off more than ground beef and steak. Parts of the animal, like hides, livers, and hearts, can be sold worldwide. But for smaller processors, it's a different story. We are basically just dumping it in the trash. Find out why getting rid of the spare parts is a challenge for the smaller processor from Harvest Public Media's Seth Bodine. A Missouri lawmaker has filed a bill that would drastically limit the availability of abortions in the state. St. Louis Public Radio's Sarah Fenton reports the bill is modeled after a newly passed law in Texas. Representative Mary Elizabeth Coleman, a Republican from Arnold, introduced the bill late last week. The bill would require abortion providers to determine if a fetus has cardiac activity. That can occur as early as six weeks. If detected, the provider could not legally provide an abortion. The legislation also would deny public funds to the state's abortion providers. Under the bill, private citizens could sue doctors or others who aid abortion seekers for damages if they disobey the law. Coleman says she hopes the bill ends abortion access in Missouri. What that does is it takes enforcement from the hands of the state government and puts it into the hands of Missourians. Abortion rights advocates say the procedure is a legal right and the law will further jeopardize maternal health in the state. I'm Sarah Fenton, St. Louis Public Radio. A Kansas City Democrat is optimistic his district will remain largely the same. Congressman Emanuel Cleaver says he's aware that some Republicans want to transform his Kansas City-based 5th district into a safe GOP seat. He says some Republican lawmakers want revenge for aggressive Democratic gerrymandering in states like Illinois. But Cleaver says many Republicans don't want to do that because placing parts of Kansas City in two safe GOP seats could make those districts more competitive throughout the decade. There are still fair-minded and decent uh, people on both sides of the aisle. I know that there are some uh, individuals on the other side who are going to push for fairness. Lawmakers will return to Jefferson City to pursue congressional redistricting in January. Illinois' new energy law promises massive changes as the state seeks to eliminate carbon emissions from its energy sector by 2045. St. Louis Public Radio's Eric Schmidt reports it will take years before residents in the Metro East start to see major changes. The Climate and Equitable Jobs Act seeks to add many more renewable sources to Illinois' energy grid and provide workforce investments for environmental justice communities and those whose economies have long relied on fossil fuels. But these provisions won't roll out immediately. Democratic State Representative Katie Stewart of Edwardsville says the details of about $200 million of workforce development still need to be fleshed out. I don't know the timeline on those dollars being released, and I think there is still some you know, work to be done on exactly how those dollars will get released. The funding will eventually support regional jobs hubs. Some parts of the new energy law will ramp up more quickly, like a $4,000 rebate per household for electric vehicles. I'm Eric Schmidt, St. Louis Public Radio. Washington University officials say a mural on campus that depicts prominent black people was vandalized this weekend with racist symbols. Chancellor Andrew Martin sent a letter to students and staff yesterday expressing their dismay about the vandalism. University officials said there are cameras in the area near the mural 
and they hope investigators will be able to identify the people who defaced it. Local artists painted the mural before the start of fall classes in 2020. Several of the faces on the artwork were painted white and stamped with the logo of a white supremacist group. When a cow goes to slaughter, it's not just steaks and hamburgers that can mean money for the factory-scale slaughterhouses. Parts like hides, tongues, and livers are sold around the world. But for smaller local meat packers, it costs money just to unload those cattle parts. Harvest Public Media's Seth Bodine explains why cow guts are a problem for the little guy. At Homestead Meats in Guthrie, Oklahoma, employees are busy cutting up frozen carcasses with saws and packaging meat to prepare for customers. Homestead's customers can bring their cattle for slaughter or buy meat at the counter, but you won't just find fillets and T-bones. There's an oxtail. That's a strange item, but it's becoming more and more popular. That's Jamie LaRue, an owner of Homestead. There's a heart. I don't see a tongue in that order. LaRue says some customers want those parts to eat or use as raw dog meat, but bones, guts, and stomachs, that's where the rendering companies come in. Twice a week, large plastic barrels filled with the throwaway parts of cattle get emptied into a big truck that takes it to a rendering plant to scavenge the last few dollars out of beef byproducts. Here, we are basically just dumping it in the trash. We have no place for it to go. LaRue paid $700 last month to take away the spare parts of about 100 animals. But these spare parts aren't useless. Big meatpacking plants can make more than $150 per carcass from selling parts of the cow that LaRue pays the truck away. The difference is scale, says Courtney Burr, an agricultural economist at Oklahoma State University. If you get bigger, you become more efficient. Um, and so the larger producers or larger packers can contract with different groups to, let's say, get the hides to a tanning facility for further processing. That means it's harder for the small meat packers to turn a profit and poses an obstacle to keep more of the small meat packers going so that ranchers can have options other than mega processors and so consumers can find truly local meat. Big meat packers pull an extra profit by cutting up 5,000 head a week and selling those parts of the carcass that don't end up on your grocery store's meat counter. Small meat packers like Brian Lane in Tonkwa, Oklahoma, say products like hides that could make money for the big guys go in the trash. There's simply no valuable market for a few hides when large operators can deliver them by the truckload. I'd looked at doing a couple of hides, having them tan, and it's about $1,500. Or you can buy one that's already tanned for $150 to $250. Because small processors pay to take or throw away parts that meat packers can make extra cash with, it makes the difference between profit and loss. It's going to increase the cost to the consumer, without a doubt. That's Chris Brundick. He's a farmer and owner of Farmer's Meat Market in Vienna, Missouri. It's one of the many processors that opened after the state dished out millions to boost the network of smaller operations. Those taxpayer subsidies came in response to temporary shutdowns in larger plants that left meat shelves empty and ranchers waiting to slaughter their animals. 
He says paying for new equipment and keeping up with the sanitation on his own dime would have been impossible without the money from the state. That is a reason why there aren't enough or hasn't been enough of these facilities is just because of the financial hurdles and trying to get it to cash flow and keeping a workforce in place. LaRue says products like hides and hearts aren't always the easiest to market. But she's relying on people who want to buy local. We opened right before COVID hit, and we immediately, I mean, we were extremely blessed. We had just floods of people looking for local beef um, or selling local beef that needed to have it processed. Both LaRue and Brundick received federal money handed out through state grants to help expand their businesses. And the U.S. Department of Agriculture is shelling out more than $600 million for small processors, even as those meatpackers struggle for a lucrative way to get rid of their carcass scraps. Seth Bodine, Harvest Public Media. That story came to us through our partnership with Harvest Public Media. On this date, 218 years ago, President Thomas Jefferson finalized the Louisiana Purchase with France, That included adding 2 million square miles to the U.S., including all of what would eventually become the state of Missouri. The finalization was a formality, though. A couple of guys named Lewis and Clark started their expedition to survey the area four months before the deal was closed. And it was still a year before they would meet up with Sacagawea of the Shoshone tribe, who made the rest of the expedition possible. Proving once again that history is not made up of specific events so much as it is made up of long processes. The executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio is Shula Newman, music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. We are a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. I'm Jonathan All, and from the St. Louis Public Radio newsroom, this has been The Gateway. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at choosewood.com.